Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the 38th episode of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always a pleasure to speak with major individuals in their particular sport, people that have paved the way for how their sport is today. And before I introduce this luminary that I will be speaking with, I want to make sure to remind everybody to check out past episodes of Where They At, the 37 past episodes of Where They At on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Make sure you check those episodes out. You can subscribe and or rate and support the show. The gentleman I'm going to speak with today, what an honor. Uh, He was born in New York City, part of the iconic basketball tradition uh, in New York, especially in the 1950s. And he went on to start at the University of North Carolina as a player and graduated as well with a law degree from UNC Chapel Hill. He was a coach in the NCAA and NBA before becoming president of the basketball operations with the Indiana Pacers, leading them to 19 playoff appearances in 22 years, six Eastern Conference Finals, and an NBA Finals appearance in 2000. He helped turn around the New York Knicks organization, uh, holding the same position with them over a decade ago. And he just retired as a team consultant for the Indiana Pacers, just retired recently. And it's my pleasure and honor to present one of the classiest individuals around, Mr. Donnie Walsh on the 38th edition of Where They At. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How have you been? Um, I've been great. Thank you. I've been great. And, and I'm so glad to talk with you because you were always gracious with me when you were president of basketball operations for the New York Knicks. You know, I was a, a, a media member, not a big time media member at that time. And, and you treated me so wonderfully. So I appreciate you. Definitely. Well, I, I always talk to the press. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And and and, and Mr. Walsh wanted to um, ask you, you know, 2020 was a memorable year, to say the least. We just got into the new year of 2021. Uh, first of all, how are you and your family doing during this pandemic that has almost spanned a year? Well, last year we were about to play the Boston Celtics and it was either late February or March, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And my doctor, who had done a physical on me about two weeks before that, called me up and basically said to me, "You physics, everything looks good. Your blood's good. This is good. But, Donnie, tomorrow I don't want you to go to the game. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. Well, when, I'm going to go to the game because uh, I go to all the home games. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, well, there's this virus that if somebody coughs and it go all the way around the arena because the air conditioning it could drop on you and you're old and you're in the risk category wow. so when i get off the phone you know i'm sitting there thinking i'm gonna go then i thought well wait a minute i got my wife i got like my uh, grandkids you know I'm, i don't know if i should go so i didn't go and and i still haven't gone back really you know <laughs> since that time Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been lucky. We've had no uh, symptoms in the whole family so far. Um, and, and Indiana, I think, has handled the pandemic very well. Mm-hmm. You know, they made you wear a mask and they gave you all the social distancing mm-hmm. and they've restricted, you know, at different times, they restricted there's no restaurants open, that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of ways, it brought me a little closer to my wife than it would have been if I was going to games all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't that hard. 
And wow. I've never done this before. I've never just stayed home. <laughs> and the NBA, you know, the NBA was the first major sports league to shut down operations on that day, that fateful day when it was announced that Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19 on March 11th, 2020. Um, and NBA, talk about how they were able to handle this in a great way by having a very successful bubble um, as well as just, you know, and also we had issues of social unrest that went on in this country as well too. So the NBA has really been on the forefront of addressing these issues. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. I think the NBA has been the first league to address a lot of really big issues. Mm -hmm. Obviously one of them was a pandemic, which, the minute that Gobert was, uh, you know, found to have the virus, mm-hmm. they shut the league down for everybody mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kept it down until they felt, you know, they could had an answer. And then their answer was the bubble they created down in uh, Disneyland. Yes. And that worked. I mean, so you, you look at it and you see other teams just go out and end up playing. And all of a sudden guys on the teams start getting sick and, so then they got to close it down or they shut it down for a while. But I think Adam's been very, very good uh, at doing those things. And I, I'm really proud. And I think it was his leadership that probably started, although I'm not sure, because I think the players in our league jumped into that um, civil rights argument yes. quick. And they were yes. very, very powerful, I thought. And they mm-hmm. did it in the right way. I, I was really proud of them. Yes, indeed. Especially Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Indiana, oh. your player on the Indiana Pacers, you know, like five year uh, player at, at University of Virginia. I, you know, was highly decorated academically. So he's he's an example of the of a player that has so much going on, so much depth as a person. He's I've had a lot of players and, mm-hmm. I, and, and I'm not putting them down a line when I tell you that Malcolm might be the most impressive young man I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And I mean impressive. His game speaks for itself. I mean, yes. he's a very, very good player. Uh, but when you meet him, you know right away, this guy is a level up. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's contagious because it, it helps the team the way his personality is. Yes, He's you know very welcoming and all that and plays with everybody. He's not like a guy that wants to go out and get points unless he has to get points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet when he goes out into his own world, I mean, he, he did something during the summer before he came to the bubble mm-hmm. where he went to Africa and had fundraised to do this and built wells for African tribes. Wow. wow. And who didn't have water or didn't have clear water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's always doing something like that, but it's very quiet. You know, he doesn't yes. make a big deal out of it. I really respect him for that. But we do have a good group of guys like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Sabonis, who's yes, from right. Lithuania, whose father was a great... Avita Sabonis. Great. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. He too. was... I never saw a player like him when I first saw him. Mm-hmm. He was 17, and he was playing against the University of Indiana. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, he was seven feet tall. He could run like a deer. He could rebound, he could pass, he could dribble a ball up the court, he could do everything. Mm-hmm. And so he was the best player in Europe by far. And then when he came to the United States, by that time he had a bad, one of his legs was bad. 
Yeah. And he yeah. still, I think, made the All-Star team. That's right. He did. And, <laughs> and, and was part of that Portland team that, that should have made the finals in 2000. Yeah, you know? I know that. <laughs> I know that because I was watching them. Yeah, that's right. We had already won. And I thought, <laughs> we're going to play Portland. And then I thought, and then so Magic and that team oh. came back from a 15-point down, being mm-hmm. down 15, and won in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I thought, oh, we're going to play Portland. Because I thought for sure that the Lakers were going to win. And they did. Yeah. Yes, indeed. God rest Kobe being Brian's soul. That alley-oop to Shaq, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, in our series, when we played them in the finals, mm. you know, the, the format is 2-3-2. Two, yes. Which is very difficult for the um, away team. Yep. Unless you win one of the first two games. Mm-hmm. Well, we lost two in in, um, in the Lakers. And then we came back and we had three games. Now, to beat a championship-level team, and we both at that level, mm-hmm. at home, is not that easy. Yeah. It's very hard to beat a team like the Lakers three times in a row like that. So we beat them twice. And in the one game we lost, Kobe was still very young then. Mm-hmm. And we were up by one, and it was getting to the end of the game now. And they shot, and we we had big fellas. And so we went up for the rebound, and somehow Kobe got up there with the right timing and tapped it in, and that was That's the basket right. to beat it. That's right, and it gave them the three-one lead that game yeah. four. Right, right, right. Wow, wow. But the Lakers—they were just—they were a problem for everyone in that part oh, of the decade. Were, <laughs> it's well, like Shaq, three people. I mean, yeah. Right. Say, Who's gonna match up with Jack? I said no one matches no. up with Jack. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> and your good friend Coach Larry Brown—he found a way to to get rid of that dynasty right there in two thousand four yeah. with his Pistons, you know, and everything. But wow, here with the great Donnie Walsh, uh, one of the great executives in the history of basketball here on where they at the 38th edition. My name is Debateau. So you were part of a game 62 years ago that featured your Fordham prep team, which was one of the top high school teams in the city. And you were a senior on that team. But Fordham was upset by a Regis High School team that was led by a 5'7 point guard by the name of Anthony Fauci. And we all know him now as Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And it's it's interesting, like he's he's a major figure now and he's provided so much knowledge and so much wisdom on how the entire American public can stay safe within this pandemic that's going on uh, with COVID-19. So, I mean, what do you remember of that game? You know, do you remember Dr. Fauci? Let let me tell you the the way that I became aware of this. Um, I got a call from a reporter from the Wall Street Journal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought he wanted to talk about the NBA or something. So when he called up, he, he started off by saying, Mr. Wall, and then he had introductory language, but then he said, uh, did you play in a game against uh, Regis High School in Fordham Prep? And I went, yeah, we always played Regis High School. <laughs> and he said, well, do you remember the game when they came in and they were one in 15 and you had a, we had a pretty good team mm-hmm. uh, and you lost to Regis and they had a one in 15 record. I since have found out that the one win they had, at least I've been told, 
was that day they beat us. Right? <laughs> 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 so I'm not 100 percent sure of that. But to answer the question, and then he went on to say, because were you aware, do you remember playing against Dr. Fauci? And so I, I, I had to get my brain going again. And I remember some high school games that, that we played, mm-hmm. uh, but not all of them. And all of a sudden, when I started thinking about playing Regis that day, I just went blank. I, I didn't remember anything, I, anybody, anything. And I really tried to search back to my memory because at one time Regis had some very good players. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, because I played varsity for four years. So okay. I saw the teams they had by that time. And I, 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 I really could not remember anything about the game. Therefore, I did not remember Dr. Fauci. <laughs> but when he said Fauci, you know, I realized who he was talking about. And I have great admiration for Dr. Fauci yes, and, and the type of doctor he is and, you know, his position in the United States, particularly in this pandemic, but in right. pandemics before. Is serving so, six presidents, serving six presidents as well. Wow. What history. Yeah. So I, I'm honored to say, well, I lost to Dr. Fauci. You know, <laughs> I say, but I, I didn't really remember it. But I did check back. And this is even funnier because. I checked with a fellow that was a very good player on our team. His name mm. was Bill Canavan. Okay. And I said to him, Bill, do you remember us playing against Regis High School in our senior year? And he said, well, I got to tell you something. I know, I, I know all about you know, Dr. Fauci and he played against you when we lost. And he said, but what you don't know or you don't remember if you don't remember the game, is that I didn't play in the game. So uh. that's our excuse. <laughs> and he was he was a very good player, this guy. So, you know, it would have been a loss to us, but that doesn't excuse that we lost to Dr. Fauci from our point of view. Um, but, I, you know, if I was going to get beat by somebody in retrospect, mm-hmm. he would be the man I would want to have beat me. <laughs> so I accept yeah. it. Um, I can't remember him, uh, and I can't remember actually anybody on Regis, uh, that time or even the three years before that. And they were very good, at, uh, the, uh, before that particular team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, wow. yeah, it, it's a story that I'm gonna live with. <laughs> <laughs> you were born in Manhattan, grew up in the Bronx, and your father was a dentist and your mom was a nurse. Uh, and education and academics were very important in your household, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, my father, I mean, it was a given that mm-hmm. when you went to high school, the idea was to go to college. Mm-hmm. That was a given. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we were just encouraged to do well in school. So, we had five children, you know, I had four brothers and sisters. And, and you're so, the oldest, you're the oldest. Yeah, I'm the <laughs> oldest. And so I had to get good grades because I was the first <laughs> one my father was looking at. And so I got pretty good grades and ended up going to North Carolina on a basketball scholarship and played there for three years. In those days, you played freshman basketball for a year and then three years of, of, of um, varsity. 
And I played with some great players. Billy Cunningham was one oh, of them. Oh, kangaroo. Larry kid. Brown yes, was another one. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and under Frank McGuire. And then Dean yeah. Smith, your senior year. <laughs> I had both. I, I had, I had uh, Frank McGuire as the head coach for three years. Mm-hmm. And Dean, is, um, Dean Smith as my assistant. He was also my freshman coach. And then in the final year, my senior year, he that was his first year as coach, and he went on to become. And I, you know, I kind of knew it that he would be, mm-hmm. because he was teaching me defense the first day I got there. You know, I came, and um, it was before all the other students were in school. He brought me to some little gym they had there, mm-hmm. and me and uh, my roommate, who was also a backcourt man, and started ta- teaching us defense. Uh-huh. And he taught. Stuff he taught me I had never heard before, you know. I mean, he really was, he did a lot of things that nobody knew at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since that time, now everybody kind of mimics what he does and that kind of stuff. So it's around now, but he was a terrific coach. And Frank was just, I don't know how to describe him. He was a great coach in a game, particularly, and in practice. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that you just wanted to do good for. Yeah. First of all, he was a very, very tough man. We were all scared to death of him. And <laughs> I knew everybody. And we were all from New York thinking we were tough. We weren't. You know, he was for real. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were two guys because they were so divergent. One was a great game coach who encouraged freelance basketball, mm-hmm. but kind of primed it in practice. You know, we would scrimmage all the time, but he would stop it like a lot sometimes. And say no, you should have done this instead of doing that. And he got you aware of what the defense was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what the way pros, for, no matter what system they're using, that's what they're trying to do because they have the ability to do it. Uh, so he was he was that kind of a coach, and and we all were in. I guess I, I don't want to say loved him. We admired him a lot, mm-hmm. but he was a very very classy guy. Uh, and then Dean was his assistant. Dean was just the opposite. Dean broke the game down to little itty bitty things. Mm-hmm. And you didn't know kind of where he was going, but then it, at the right time, it all seemed to come together. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ended up going down after law school. I was Dean's uh, graduate assistant for two years with Dean after mm-hmm. I graduated from college. Mm-hmm. And then my senior year, I was on the law review. So I did that instead. Mm-hmm. But then... I started thinking about it at the end of law school. I'm thinking, well, I went up and had a job interview in a New York law firm. Yeah, which, which was headed up by the 37th president yeah. of the United right. States, Mr. Richard Nixon. You, you have done your work on me. <laughs> but I remember going around meeting, you know, all these guys that later were in Watergate, you know, like Mitchell and those kind of guys. Isn't that surreal? <laughs> yeah. That surreal? And then the last guy was Nixon. And, I, you know, I knew who he was. And so I shook hands with him and talked to me. He was a very cordial man, very obviously very um, educated himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when it was time for me to go, they walked me through the law library where all the guys my age were sitting there at desks with books over their head. And I looked at that and I got to the elevator. I was waiting for the elevator and I said, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I went back and it ended up that I 
I was going to work for Dean Smith as an assistant. He asked me to work for him. And I said, yes. And, and then Frank McGuire called up Dean and said, I lost my assistant. Can, can I get Donnie? And so then I ended up going down there with him. University uh, of South Carolina. South yeah. Carolina. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. And South Carolina, very underrated. I mean, that program, like they haven't had the success that they had when you were there in the early 70s and being an assistant and, and players like Alex English, Brian Winters, like players yeah. like that, like Frank McGuire, yeah, that New York. We, yeah, we had a lot of guys. Yes. And they were, a lot of those guys were from New York because Frank. That's right. Really recruited in New York because mm -hmm. he wanted players that could play like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And and speaking of a great of a, another New York great and who was your best friend since high school, Mr. Larry Brown, who had the honor to feature on the 18th episode of Where They At. And, oh, really? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And 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 just wow. Talk about how you two were able to create a bond that that is everlasting. Well, Larry, you know, when when I was in college basketball, Larry was at the Carolina Cougars. And I kept reading the paper about what a great coach he was. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, I wonder what Larry's doing. I mean, everybody says he's a great coach. And I had never seen him coach. Mm -hmm. So fast forward a little bit. And he's at Denver. And he calls me up one day. And I'm actually taking the bar exam 13 years after um, right. I graduated from law school. Right. And I'm, I'm thinking of getting out of basketball. So I, I signed up and was taking the bar exam. And he called me up and said, Donnie, how'd you like to be my assistant? And I went, I'm, now I'm thinking I'm going to be a lawyer. And in one second, I went, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> uh -huh. And that was the second time that basketball yeah. pulled you back in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, every time I've come to that path, I've always taken basketball. Yes. I've done it for 60 years. Yes. Um, but I go to my first practice with Larry, and I remember sitting there going, I'm going to see you know, what he does that's so good. And I swear to God, within a half hour, I thought, oh, I see why he's good. Because mm -hmm. Larry, even with pros, mm -hmm. he, he, let's say he's running through a play or something. He was so fundamental. Yes. And it all made That's sense. Right. That's right. And he kept and he was tough to play for because if you didn't do it right, this guy was on mm -hmm. you. That's I mean, right. Really on you. Especially if you're a point guard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Then you're in trouble. <laughs> but um, when I look back on it with Larry, I know he was tough on players, and some players just, oh, I can't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. But I am, I've heard so many guys interviewed on television or pros, and they're coming to the end of their career, and people be talking to someone like you, and they'll say, well, who's, the best, who's the best coach you ever played for? And they go, well, I probably learned more from Larry Brown than any coach I've ever met. And I'm talking about big-time pros. That's right. Uh, so even though they might have got mad at him, they knew he made them better. Mm -hmm. That's right. Absolutely. He, he was a great game coach. I mean, that's a, he. when I first got with him, I learned the pro game by watching him call timeouts, know what the score was, what the time was, mm. and just the things that he did. And he, I think he was the best coach I've ever seen. Yes, and everywhere he's gone, 
has been a success, you know, like that's the thing, except for that one year with New York, which I see as an anomaly here on the 38th edition of Where They At with the great Donnie Walsh, future Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, one of the great executives in the history of the game. Now, speaking of being an executive, you joined uh, the Indiana Pacers as general manager in the mid 80s. Now, the Pacers had a great tradition from the ABA days. Slick Leonard, Roger Brown, George McGinnis, Mel Daniels, right. those great, I mean, great traditions, probably the greatest ABA team ever, you know, pretty much from that standpoint of their history. But they only made one playoff appearance in they the were- 10 years before you got there. Talk about your mindset and what you wanted to change with that culture. Well, I knew the key to, you know, the key to building a team is you got to get the players. Mm-hmm. And in those days, it was more, a little more difficult to get the players because you either drafted them mm-hmm. or you traded for them or you could sign them in free agency. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I decided because, you know, we, we weren't going to go out and get somebody to come to Indiana at that time that would be a, a game changer, mm-hmm. you know, like, go out and get um, shacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I decided I was go through the draft and I try to make trades as I went along. And that's kind of what I did. Mm-hmm. And it took me about four years to get all the players that I, I thought could be a great team. And I was lucky because my first three picks were Chuck person who everybody got on me for taking. Exactly. I mean, they, were, they were booing me in the arena <laughs> and he became the rookie of the year. That's right. So that kind of ended that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <so>. Yes, sir. <laughs> and then the second pick I took was Reggie. Mm-hmm. But then I needed a big guy and we needed a center. So I took Rick Smith, mm-hmm. who was, you know, seven feet four. And then we filled in. We had guys that were good and all that. And we mm-hmm. did trades because by that time we had some players we could trade. And so I think it was about in the sixth or seventh year. And then I brought Larry. Mm-hmm. Larry Brown. Coach Brown, yep. Because I thought now I got some some guys that if this guy comes, I think he can pull it together as a team. And he came in and in his first year with me, we went to Eastern Conference Finals. That's right. That's and right. then I think the second year we did the same thing. Mm-hmm, that's right. And it was time for Larry to leave because, you know, he's like that. He wants to go. <laughs> that's right. And, and be great somewhere else, you know? Yeah. No, he, he just gets wanderlust yeah. or something. Yeah. So he, he, he was leaving. Mm-hmm. And I ended up hiring Larry Bird because I mm-hmm. thought I had played against, uh, not played personally, but I had watched Larry play through his career. We, yeah. And we, crushed me he was from indiana yes so anytime we played him he was coming in for real (laughs) that's right yeah and we i I never thought we beat the guy Mm -hmm. i I swear to god i never thought we could beat him he was so good yes um and then one year you know we did beat him uh not in the playoffs but we came close after that in the Mm -hmm. playoffs against larry but anyhow i I hear that he may be interested Mm -hmm. so i went and talked to him and I really liked him. Yeah. I had a, 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 I had a, a meeting with him one day. This is after I already decided to hire him. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the own, my owner's uh, office. And it's just me and Larry. I said, Larry, let me ask you something. You've got the job now. What are you going to do with this team? Because he knew the team. Mm-hmm. And he took me. I've never had anybody do this. 
from the first day of practice in the first year mm -hmm. all the way in his mind to the finals of the NBA. And he told me in detail what he would do every day. <laughs> it was incredible, really. Wow. It really was. And and I'm surprised, like like Donnie, with, with Larry Bird, most great all-time great players do are not successful as head coach. You're right. You know, like because their intensity or how they approach their crap, they can't they can't relate that and teach that. What made Larry Bird different? He's got First of all, Larry was an all-around player, meaning mm. he could do everything. That's right. He could That's handle right. the ball. He could pass the ball. He could shoot the ball. He could mm. rebound the ball. He could bring the ball up if he had to. You know, he could do everything. And mm -hmm. The thing about Larry that I saw immediately was he was so much bigger than I thought he was. I mean, I looked at him once after we had him, and he was standing next to Dale Davis. And Dale Davis from 6'11", you know, muscles mm -hmm. and larry was standing next to him and was bigger than him and i mm -hmm. thought god no wonder he was so good there. <laughs> they were guarding him with small forwards you know they couldn't yep. guard him mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and he was big up through here a very strong guy uh, but he just had a overall knowledge of the game mm -hmm. and he knew what it took to win in the nba yes. and so that's what you know and he, and he did the right thing one of the first things he asked me he said you know donnie after i said look i want you to be the coach and so we agreed he's going to be the coach he said well one thing i gotta have and i said what well, and i said what's that he said i gotta get two assistants because i've never coached before <laughs> i said you took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> so we we hired rick carlisle oh yes indeed good dick friend Martin. of mine good friend of mine jazz and a yeah. jazz pianist too like i'm a jazz oh, musician yeah. so we have that in common coach carlisle yeah. myself no, yes I, indeed i've heard rick play the piano yes indeed <laughs> uh and dick harder who was a great defensive coach mm -hmm. in fact mm -hmm. he was with the knicks a couple he's with everybody that's right but he came i had him once with jack ramsey before mm -hmm. that so i knew what kind of coach he was and i think larry asked me Did you know dick harder i said oh yeah yeah, you know, yeah. What do you think of him? I think he's the best NBA defensive coach there is. That's right. And, That's right. And in fact, Pat Riley called me uh, after um, Larry left, and Dick was out there, and he said, "Donnie, what do, what do you think of Dick Harder?" I said, "Well, I'll tell you what I think of him. Your players aren't going to like him." He said, "What?" Because <laughs> Riles is I, like, you know how intense Riles is already. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I, I didn't really know Pat, you know, personally then, but mm -hmm. I know what you're talking about. So I said, your, your players aren't going to like him. And he said, well, why is that? And I said, because he's going to make them play defense and they don't want to play defense all the time, mm -hmm. but he's going to make them. And he said, that's all I need to know. Boom. And mm -hmm. he hired Wow, wow. And, 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 and Donnie, I wanted to ask you, Reggie Miller, that 1987 draft, you know, Steve Alford was the name, yeah. Indiana legend, you know, like he won the national title, you know, and everything. He was player of the year, you know, Indiana yeah. hero. But you drafted Reggie Miller from UCLA that did not have as decorated a career as Steve Alford, but the response from the Indiana faithful. Now, that's the great thing about you, uh, Mr. Walsh. You didn't listen to the the outside. You you no. went with your gut and you went with your eyes and you went with your heart with Pearson, with with Reggie Miller, with Rick Schmidt. So talk about how in 87, how 
you were like really invested in Reggie Miller and what Reggie Miller means to you overall as a human being. Yeah, I would like to do that because he made, means a lot. Um, mm. Well, during the before the draft, you know, you go to all these uh, all star type things that these guys play in. That's right. And I saw him play in Hawaii, and I saw him play in a couple other things like that. Portsmouth, Portsmouth, right? Probably too. Yeah, Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Yeah, I don't think was... he he might not have played him because the, the first round guys didn't usually play in Portsmouth. Oh, okay, okay. You know, mm. the end of the first round and second round guys played in Portsmouth. Gotcha. Back then. Okay. Uh, but anyhow, I saw Reggie play, and I knew he could shoot. But I, I wasn't quite sure before I saw him play, is he a good player? Mm-hmm. And what I realized was he was a really good player. I mean, he yes. played with the other guys on the team. He didn't just run around and give me the ball. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that got proven later. But um, I thought he would be a good player. But after I saw him in his first year, I think, I thought, oh, this guy's going to be great. Because he wanted to be great. Yes. He was he was like this all the time in practice. He, he did every single thing the coach ever asked him to do. And, and he would not, like Larry really tested him. Because mm-hmm. Larry was really hard on him. And you could see Reggie almost to the point of tears sometimes. But it didn't bother him at all that you know he came right out and played as hard as he could every game and he he was a great player for us you know people always ask me you know what do you think of reggie miller because i'll say he's a great player mm-hmm. and now they're thinking magic michael you know all that and they say yeah but and i go wait here's what i mean when i say that mm-hmm. you can point out all these other guys to me and i would say yeah, they're better at Reggie overall. In other words, Michael could do a lot. I mean, he could, he, he had a body, he could do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I said, but he gets on the same level as them when he gets on the court because he's such a great shooter. Mm-hmm. And he particularly is a great shooter in the end of the game. And a way to prove that is to just go out on the court when he was playing and watch a film. And you will see the way they played him, it was like desperation. From minute one, they mm-hmm. did not want him to get a shot. And yet he still got them. I can't tell you how many games I went during his career when we had a timeout, we were down one, or it was tie or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you go out and the entire arena knew Reggie's going to get the ball. Don't let him get the ball. And he consistently got it. And he consi- I've never seen a guy make as many last-minute shots as he did. Ooh. Yes, all the time. Yes, and and his competitive nature getting in Jordan's face and getting getting in Ewan and Oakley's face and John Starks, of course, you know, like like that competitive. (laughs) Reggie's competitive self and doing just what you said because he get in their face and all. Mm. I thought he was going to get killed if if they ever just got mad at him. Uh-huh. So I went out and got the Davis boys. That's right. So now it, you hit him, they're going to hit you. <laughs> that's right. Yes, indeed. And Antonio Davis was a guest as well on the show on the 24th oh, episode. Terrific, oh, terrific guy. yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And and, and and now, Mr. Walsh, I got to ask you, how close was Reggie to signing with the Knicks in that free agency bonanza of 1996? Well, I'll tell you a story about that, because I was worried about that, mm. you know, I mean, he was always playfully, you know, throwing it out there to me during the period we were negotiating. And his agent, 
mm -hmm. uh, who became a good friend of mine. David Falk, uh, right? David Falk at the time? No, it was, was um, Arn Tellum. Who's Arn Tellum, okay. Detroit. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And But we, we got to be good friends because I had Reggie for 19 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was okay. negotiating with Arn all the time. <laughs> That's right. Um, so what happened was I'm offering Reggie something and, you know, it's not at the stage where it's going to happen. But somewhere in the, uh, at the kind of end of it, um, Arn came to me. No, actually, what happened was I get a phone call, and somebody tells me that um, Alan Houston and the guy uh, that went with him I can't remember. Oh, Chris Charles. Chris Charles. Chris Charles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who was yep. a good player. Yes, it was. Mm -hmm. They were going to New York. And so I knew. I said, What do you mean they're going to New York? They're going to sign a contract. I said, So they're going to New York. So that day, I'm supposed to meet on Tellum. He came in from LA. So I'm sitting at my desk, and on comes in. He's got his bags from the airport. Mm -hmm. And he walks in and he goes, Anything happened in the NBA today, Donnie? And, I, and he drops the bags. And I go, Not much, except that Childs and Houston are going to New York. And he just ran over to me and said, You got to give me the money. You got to give me the money. <laughs> <laughs> Because he knew, now mm -hmm. that's out, and mm -hmm. I knew it. You know? mm -hmm. Yep, but yep. I, I would imagine, you know, I think Reggie always wanted to play for us for his whole career. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at a point, money speaks. That's right. You know, it does, and it should for the players. Mm -hmm. They got limited careers, mm -hmm. and they try to make as much as they can so that, you know, they're set for their life. Mm -hmm. And now you can really do it. You know? Yes, that's right. That's right. And Reggie, too, like, you know, because he was having some issues in Indiana as well. You know, a year later, his house, his new house was burned down. Yeah, somebody was, burned down so, his house. Yeah, that's, you know, so he I think he was kind of being an L.A. cat being from Riverside, you know, like he was kind of like saying, should I well, go you know, to a big Reggie market? Always, he always went back to L.A. after the season was over mm -hmm. and uh but he never really wanted to play out there. I didn't think. I mean, he never mm -hmm. told me that, but I just never got the idea he wanted to play for LA. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he, he he realized that he had a good yeah. thing going in Indiana. Yes. We were winning. He was playing well. Mm -hmm. uh, he liked the situation for him. And the one thing about Indiana is that it's all basketball. I mean, mm -hmm. it's more sure. than even New York. New York is more like schoolyard basketball. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody right. in New York grows up playing in the schoolyard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, there isn't a big college following. There's some, but not a gigantic yeah. like uh, like North Carolina. You go to North Carolina, it's college basketball. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But in, in, in Indiana, that's the way it was before Reggie got here. It was mostly IU and high school basketball. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. when we started winning and he was doing what he was doing, then the pros got put in that same category. And so that's what my goal was for the franchise. Yes. We need to get in the same category of basketball that, you know, the college and high school is. And it mm -hmm. got like that. And, and I, I give Reggie credit for that because 
he was excited because of the shooting at the end of games. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And how excruciating, excruciating were those games against the Knicks? 94, 95, 99, 2000. I mean, yeah. just classic games with those yeah, two we teams. Yeah, we did. We, we ended up playing the Knicks a lot in the, mm-hmm. in the Eastern Finals. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time we got beaten seven games. Mm-hmm. The second time, I think we won in seven games. That's right. And then, you know, I, I think I remember beating them up there once when they had um, Sprewell. Yeah. Because he was he was really good. And they had mm-hmm. him and Allen. Mm-hmm. So that, that, we beat them. And I wasn't sure we could beat them because yeah. they had Larry Johnson and guys like that. Yeah. Oh, I remember that 99, the eighth seed, when they were the eighth seed. I know how disappointing was that for for you and, and the organization in 99 when that eighth seed and Nick team just came out of nowhere to win that Yeah, series. I think that was the four-point game, right? That, yeah, that, yep, the game three. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would be on disappointed. I mean, when that mm. game, when that call was made, and they counted the basket and said it was a three, and then they gave him a foul shot. That just ended the game for us. Mm-hmm. And so Reggie never really got a chance to get the last shot there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. That was a tough game. Deep. But they were good. Yeah. They were a good game. And one of the great 30 for 30 uh, movies of all time was that Dan Clores movie about that rivalry, you know, which you uh, were a part of, you know? <laughs> yeah. so Danny, I knew Danny at South Carolina, so... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I have had um, contact with him during the periods mm-hmm. of those games and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a fabulous guy. Yes. And yes. he's a multi-talented guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, right. He really is. That's right. Yeah. Great writer, did. great uh, documentarian. Yeah. I guess that's what you call him. I mean, he does. A, he did one on Fighter. He did one on uh, some crazy guy, <laughs> Crazy <laughs> Love or something like that. <laughs> But they're always different, you know, cause, and he's got a great knack of matching music with the movies. Mm-hmm, that's the right. other. Because yeah, I've seen all of them and uh, he, he always sends me a tape when we're involved. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. yes indeed. Well, here with the great Donnie Walsh, one of the great executives in NBA history, uh, just recently retired from the Indiana Pacers as the team consultant uh, over 60 years in basketball and pleasure to have him on the 38th edition of where they at. So you had another great Indiana Pacers team that was led by coach Rick Carlisle and that had you know, great players, great young players, Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, and then a good a good player, Steven Jackson, like very good team now that, that had everything, all the elements, but that malice in the palace, how did that, that did. yeah. It, it, well, we went from being a contending type team. We had beaten in that game. We were up by 15 points when all that broke mm-hmm. out, and it was mm-hmm. only about a minute to go. Um, that broke my heart because – you know, it, it, first of all, it, it put a bad image out there for our players. And, you know, they were calling them thugs and stuff like that. When, in my mind, we, I, I wasn't there. I had to go to a wedding in my family, but I saw it, you know, on television. Oh. And I knew right away it was going to be bad. The thing that we, our players did was they went in the stands because the guy threw a, a beer on top of a Ron. Our mm-hmm. test face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he turned around to see who did it and went up there, which you should never do. Yeah. And then Jack saw he was up there. He thought 
he was going to try to help him get out of there. Mm-hmm. And then when he got up there, somebody hit him. So he had, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he had Ron's back. He had his yeah. back. His no, teeth. Yeah. And Jack will always do that. He's mm-hmm. that kind of guy. I'm right. telling you. Mm-hmm. I liked all those guys. And I liked Ronnie. I knew he was, and he knows, he knew at the time that he had to control himself, but he hadn't gotten to the point where he could do it. We got him people to talk to and all that. And he was getting better, but that just boom. And I, I get that, you know, guys threw a face of beer in your face. I mean, a, a, the cup and everything hit him right in the face. Yeah. So he reacted and that was it. But really, it was a terrible scene uh, for television, meaning that people coming out of the stands, mm. players fighting, with fans came out and started throwing punches at our guys. Uh, but I was so disappointed that and I think that David Stern basically thought, I got to stop this and I got to make an example out of one of these teams. And he did it with us. And yeah, just the luck of the draw. Wow. No, but the only thing I would say is that Ronnie went on and won a championship with uh, LA mm-hmm. and hit the last shot in the set in the key right. game. Mm-hmm. Game seven. And, well, I was very happy to that. Jermaine was a great player. Oh, really my was. goodness. Really very, talented. yeah. He very. was a very talented kid. And 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 I, I see him now and then because he comes in here once in a while mm-hmm. into Indy. I think he lives in Dallas now. Mm-hmm. And I'm really impressed he, as, with him as a man because when I got him, he was very young. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And he and he wasn't getting a run in Portland, you know, so yeah. and, and so Indiana, he was able to flourish in Indiana. Yeah. We, I mean, he was a, the minute I saw him, I thought, oh, God, this guy could be something because he could play forward center. He could play anywhere. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he really was a, a great player. Um, and then with Ronnie Artest and uh, Jermaine. Oh, and Reggie was still on the team. That's right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Wow. So we. You know, and we had other kids that were good players. Reggie was in uh, street clothes during that whole thing. He was well, in he street clothes. Yeah, he didn't play. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. And him having to witness that, like, God. Yeah. You know? And I think Reggie had signed a contract to go on for a couple more years. But I think that knocked it out of him because he, he knew we had a chance to win. And then mm-hmm. when that happened, you know, here he is. Reggie's 39 at the time or something. Mm-hmm. You came to the New York Knicks, uh, Mr. Walsh, right. to, to run their basketball operations in 2008. Um, and you're a native, you're native New Yorker. And what was right. your approach? As you know, Knicks fans can be impatient, you know, and and what was your, you know, and, and seeing that the organization was in a different direction than when the rivalries that you had in the 90s. Right. Were- you saw the organization was going in the tailspin. Um, did you consider this your dream job to come into New York and save everything and save this franchise? Actually, I didn't. Um, mm. What happened was I had retired back that year. I had already announced my retirement at the end of the year because I had told Larry I wanted him to run the franchise. And he had been with me two or three years. And I just thought it was time. Because mm-hmm. yeah, being a general manager of, of, of a pro team, and I was a, I was the president of the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. I ran the business side and the uh, basketball side. 
And it was wearing me out at that time. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, I brought Larry in and had him, I had him set to succeed me. Mm -hmm. And so I just got the feeling that the time had come for him to do that. Mm -hmm. So I was going to retire. So mm -hmm. I announced it at a press conference a little earlier. And then it came kind of a certain point. And so everyone knew I was leaving and Larry was going to take over. Mm -hmm. And then I got a call from New York. Would you like to come up here and talk about this? Mm -hmm. And I went, at first I was going to say, nah, I think, I, but I went, New York, let me call you. So I ended up thinking about it that night and I thought, no, I really would like to go back to New York. <laughs> Mainly because I was from New York and I mm -hmm. you know, would love to do it. I knew it was going to be a tough job. I really did. Mm -hmm. uh, but I thought, I just want to try this and see mm -hmm. what I can do. So that's the reason I took it. And when I went up there and I saw what we had, I knew we had to really rebuild. Yeah. And so the first, and I hired Mike D'Antonio as the coach. Yes. And I knew I didn't, I actually didn't in three years give him the team that you should give Mike because Mike is a great coach, but he has to have the right kind of team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and in my mind now, I didn't know it then, yeah. um, what he needed. So I just got players. Mm -hmm. But what Mike, if, if the guy, if his best player brings the ball up, think of James Harden. Mm -hmm. He's going to be tough to beat. Yep. Yep. He really Steve, is. Steve Nash, too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Same mm -hmm. thing. When he had Steve Nash, they were really good. Mm -hmm. When he had um, uh, James Harden, they were really good. Mm -hmm. And we never got a player like that. And I, I that I feel bad for. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But we went out and we ended up with Amari and mm -hmm. uh, Carmelo. And I, when I looked at it, you know, I thought, well, these guys can play mm -hmm. and they did. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I think my year, my last year, they made the playoffs, which was the first time in some time for the Knicks. And mm -hmm. they had a winning season. That's right. I think the last time they won, were in the playoffs, they had a losing season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of it. And, then I came down here and the first year I just took off. And then the next year, Larry wanted to leave and take a sabbatical. And so I came in and the owner and I talked and will you take this over and try to get Larry to come back? I went, yeah. And mm -hmm. so I did. Now that was a year that I really thought the Knicks had a chance to win the championship. Mm -hmm. 2012, really 2013. Yep. Glenn Grunwald, who was my you know, he worked with me on the, mm -hmm. with the Knicks, and he had done a good job of getting exactly the right kind of player for their team that mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, 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 was, I didn't know if we could beat them. Uh, so to make a long story short, we do beat them. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time I thought about, oh, we just beat the Knicks, you know. And then I realized I was happy about it, but I wasn't really happy. Mm. <laughs> well, and, and, and now, Mr. Walsh, um. LeBron James, you know, summer of 2010. Now is the big free agency bonanza. LeBron James, free agent. Chris Bosh, free agent. Of course, Stat, Amari Stoudemire. Of course, Dwayne Wade. They were all free agents. Um, so, but LeBron James took his talents to South Beach. But yeah. the Knicks were contenders for his services. Why? I never really. Well, yeah, I want to ask you, what, yeah. what, what was the factor that didn't have him sign with New York? Well, I didn't know it at the time, but... Mm -hmm. I just felt, and I don't know why, 
when I talked to LeBron and, and he was really gracious. I mean, mm -hmm. and his, we went up to Cleveland to meet with him mm -hmm. and we had a big on, you know, a big entourage going up there. Mm -hmm. And the guys in that office were all high school players with him. The guys that run his company. That's right. Maverick Carter, Rich Paul. Yes. Oh, yeah. All those guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, and I was tremendously impressed with what he created, um, you know, in that office. But I did, never got the, the feeling that he really wanted to come to New York. And at the time, I did not understand it. I did not understand how the best player in the world could look at New York and not really take it seriously. And he didn't seem to be doing that. Hmm. Uh, and, and then I realized later that what I've always realized the players always know more than you do mm -hmm. when it comes to that kind of thing. And I didn't know that he and Dwayne Wade and uh, the big guy, Bosch, Bosch uh, had got together and wanted to go to the same place mm -hmm. until it was too late. And, and they had already probably decided to go there. But I remember talking to um, his agent. Um, oh, was it Lee? Was it Leon Rose at the time? It yeah, I think it was yeah. Leon mm -hmm. Rose. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, we can do the same thing. So he said, what do you mean? I said, well, we could we could get all those guys and LeBron. And he didn't think we could. So I had to go somewhere else. And I asked Glenn to go and explain it to him. And Glenn is a very bright guy. He's a mm -hmm. lawyer as well. Mm -hmm. And so he showed him where we could do it. But I think by that time it was too late. Um, wow. But, uh, you know, in my own mind, I thought this. If LeBron James ever went to New York, he's Babe Ruth, right? The first day. <laughs> That's right. And, and and bringing them a championship, bringing the Knicks yeah. a championship. Oh, he's a, oh, my God. He, he would have been the greatest player ever over Mike if he did that, you know? <laughs> well, I, I, I got to tell you, I am, I love Mike. Uh, okay. Mike okay. Right? I love him. Mm hmm. But this LeBron James has been unbelievable. I think mm -hmm. in every way. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has gone and won championships from the first time he, you know, when he was a kid, he was playing pro and he was beating everybody then. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe that he did that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then once he got a team around him, he, he started winning championships everywhere. Yeah. And, and, and I, I just love his whole act. The guy takes care of his body. Mm -hmm. He always plays. You know, mm -hmm. it's very unusual for him not to be playing for a period of time. You might miss a game or two, but he's always out there. And I think he's unguardable. I really do because of his athletic ability, his body, and his work that he puts in the summer. Mm -hmm. Whatever he does. And, and I heard his figure that he spends a million dollars on his body. That's right. In the summer. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that. That takes real brain power. Then I see him on television. And I've seen him in a lot of situations. And he's an impressive guy. I yes, mean, indeed. I love everything he's been doing. Mm -hmm. And I think he really reflects on everybody in the NBA in a really good way. Mm -hmm. And Michael did too. But this kid is in that, he's in, it's even to me. Mm, okay, okay. And could, could LeBron surpass Michael? Yes, he could. Mm -hmm. 
because, you know, he's not taking a year off to play baseball and, you know, he, he's going straight through it and he's determined to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And mm -hmm. spend a million dollars a year on his body to make sure he has the longevity to have the best career he can have. And he's doing it. Wow. No, absolutely. And, and I mean, uh, you think about it. How many teams? Well, Miami hired him. Why? They thought he could win a championship. He mm -hmm. did. He went back to Cleveland. Why? <sighs> they wanted to win a championship. He did. Mm -hmm. Now he goes to the Lakers and he wins the championship. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, yeah. what more can this guy do? Yeah, that's hey, that's that's a very very fair point that you just made yeah. about about LeBron James for sure. Wow, and um and and now um Mr. Walsh, why did you resign from the next job? Because it was you you were able to get Amari Stoudemire, then you had to trade for Carmelo Anthony, and the team was like you said after you left, they made the Eastern Conference semis and 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 almost made the finals. You know, with that close series with Indiana, but why why did you decide to resign? Well, I, I had a three-year contract mm. and I met with the owner and I think both of us weren't sure. And so because of that, I just said, well, let's just call it mutual and I'm out. And now the reason was, to, for my reason, I can't give any other reason. The reason I did that was because in New York, when I got there, I had three operations right away. I had a hip operation, I had a a really serious operation on my neck. And then I had a cancer of the tongue and I had that. And I don't know, by the time I got through with that Nick job in three years, I was not sure. Oh, you know? yeah, no, health-wise, wow, yeah. Because yeah. I've been a GM here and, and there. And here, you know, you don't have the kind of scrutiny on a daily basis that you have in New York with the press and all that. And mm -hmm. everything can become... Now, the press in New York with me were great. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you know, I knew a lot of those guys because I came up and they knew me from high school and that yeah. kind of thing. And you were great with um, us. You were great with no, us, I, too. Well, I I believe in that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think, like, uh, what we're doing is nuclear science. You know? <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> and... Why they should be secrets and all. Now, yeah, if you got a trade on the line, you don't want it out because then somebody else will run in and take it away from you. Mm -hmm. But other than those kind of things, I'm usually pretty straight with you as to how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I also have a, a, um, a rule to myself that I'm not going to put anybody down. In other words, I'm not going to get in there and say, well, so-and-so, you know, they're not that good. And they really weren't good, but they got Magic Johnson or something. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. whoever wins is good in the NBA. I think I really mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. Yes, you got It's hard to win in the NBA. Fast forward to the current Pacers. I have to ask you, um, Donnie. This team has the elements. I mean, one of the great trades. This is a beautiful trade of Paul George for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis, how it worked out for both sides beautifully and even more for Indiana, really. But it really did. With um, my, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, Kevin Pritchard is the um, president of basketball operations mm -hmm. now, which is the GM. Yes. And he came to me and asked me about it. I said, God, if you can do that, do it. you know, because Paul George, a great player, mm -hmm. but we knew he didn't want to be there anymore. So I thought that was a fabulous deal that, that Kevin and he, he had got the deal. 
And so when, when he did that, I said, congratulations, that's a good deal. Mm-hmm. And that turned out great for this franchise. Because Oladipo, he has the kind of athleticism that you need your go-to guy to have sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that is, he's so athletic that even though you play him the right way and all, he can just blow right by. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets to the rim, he's up over people and is at least going to get fouled. Yep. Now the injury, he's starting to get that back now. But that injury he had was a very, very tough injury. I mean, it took time for it to get better. And this mm-hmm. guy works harder than anybody I've ever seen. Yes, indeed. Yes, you indeed. know, he's, he's a tremendous um, guy, really is. Yeah. And then we have Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Great free the agent pickup. He, he, oh, he, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's a great free agent pickup. Because um, he can do everything. He's a little bit like Larry in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He can see the whole game and he's really, really special. Uh, and then Kevin came to me and said, Hey, I can get TJ Warren. I went, Oh, God. Because every time I saw TJ Warren play, I, I'm thinking, This guy shouldn't be able to do what he's doing in the NBA because he's always getting like little shots around the rim, but he never misses them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know? a, and he's got and all different score. ways of, flat out score. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until he came here, they started shooting the three. So he was doing all that two-point shots. Mm-hmm. And then he came here and our coaches, I guess, said, you got to shoot the three. And he started working on now he can shoot the three. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but he's been hurt this year. And that, 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 if we didn't have a pretty good backup, and we do, with uh, Justin Holiday, mm-hmm. last night got 15, I think. Yep. And he can defend. And that's... That's right. Up until we saw him offensively, we were looking at him as a defender at the mm-hmm. wing mm-hmm. and he can defend two, threes, you know, a lot of different people, even four men sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But with TJ Warren, last year we won 48 games. Nate won 48 games mm-hmm. and he had, what we thought was going to be our starting team was Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, Warren, mm-hmm. Miles and Sabonis. And we had that we had that team, that five, for six games the whole year. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, Lamb got hurt, Brogdon got hurt, yep, Miles got hurt. So mm-hmm. we never really had them together. And Sabonis too. Sabonis got hurt, wasn't in the bubble. Yeah. 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 He wasn't in mm-hmm. the bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all of them they just never got together as a team. Now we're hoping they're going to get together. And then Warren got hurt. And Lamb had been hurt. We, he's coming back pretty soon, though, I think. Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, wow. He can shoot it, too. Yes, indeed. And he's got talent. He's got a lot, a lot of talent. No. And he's big. <laughs> yes. Long, he, he, he long. Yeah, very long guy for two guard. Yes. And, and and Mr. Walsh, great start. Good young coach as well with uh, Nate Bjorngen as well, you know. and I'm very impressed with him. Yeah. You know what I was telling you about Larry? Mm-hmm. I watched an interview of him, and I knew we wanted to run more than we had. So I know running because I've had Mike D'Antoni. I've had um, uh, Doug Moe I worked mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Uh, but then the guy that I really learned it from that not many people know was Ben Job, who was mm. at South Carolina State. Okay. And... He was, his mentor was John McClendon. 
Oh, John, the great John McClendon. Yes, yes the great historic. John yes, yes. And that's what he taught. He taught the running game. Mm-hmm. He used to bring him in and do clinics uh, for you know, our team mm-hmm. in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, this guy was so far ahead of everybody. It was unbelievable. Uh, but anyhow, when I heard Nate in his interview, I kind of know what to look for when you tell me you're going to run. And he had all the right bells going off in my head. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I think he's a very good coach. And he's got certain, first of all, it's the same thing with the Knicks, by the way. I think I told this to Wes Wesley mm-hmm. that they hired um, Thibodeau. Yeah, it is. And he said, well, what do you think of Thibodeau? I said, uh, I think he's a perfect team, a perfect guy for your team. Mm-hmm. He said, why is that? I said, because he's a teacher. And you got a young group of guys. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're great in high school and college or whatever it is. But when they come to the pros, they need somebody to teach them what works in the pros and what they have. to. And, and he can do that. And he will do that. Mm-hmm. And you'll win in the meantime because he's a good one overall coach i'm not just saying that mm-hmm. but that's what natives too he can teach you individually or he can teach you as a team and mm-hmm. we have a young team still too mm-hmm. so i know he's going to improve these guys well and and the potential how limitless is this potential of the pacers because the players that you have it's not many people are recognizing that around the nba with no the, i see it I, you know uh-huh. what? I, I'm sitting here. I, let's say I go on um, some site that's got the games last night. Mm-hmm. We won a, a, a game against Harden and uh, Houston, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can't find us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow! Yeah, I'm amazed, really. Wow! Now we have a tough stretch here. We got to we play Phoenix, who's you know a, a very good young team. Mm-hmm. They Doing got great, talent, great things so far. I watched him in the bubble. Monty Wayne. You know, I had my agent is that I had to, as a GM. It's his agent. And he'd been telling me about Monty forever. And I knew Monty's, um, you know, I knew what he was. He was a good player, but a better person. Mm-hmm. And he's a very smart guy. That's right. And so I watched him in the bubble. And then he's going to be a great coach. Mm-hmm. He just has control. Of, and you can see the players want to play for him. Mm-hmm. You just had that. There's some coaches that you just see them standing with their team, and you see the team interact with them, and you think that guy's got it. <laughs> you know, and not, yes. Frank McGuire was like that. Ooh, he, wow. he really was. Wow. So, so I see, I see good things for the Knicks and for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be really good teams, and I would say Atlanta too because. They're doing a good job down there. And that coach is a good coach. That's right. Coach Lloyd Pierce, who actually was on my 25th episode of Where They At. So, like, yeah. Oh, really? And, yeah, yes, indeed. He's the only uh, – Coach Pierce is the only current – coach that i spoke to on the show you know because oh. of his because of his social his activism you know his leadership on and off the court with his players yeah. you know which is he really, seems to be a, which a, is wonderful i'll tell you a story on him okay. my daughter my daughter comes to all the pacer games okay and so particularly now that i you know i i have a car that drives me down but she mm-hmm. takes me home after on game nights yeah so after the game we're walking 
behind the stands into the area of the locker room, but we're going out to the mm-hmm. garage. Mm-hmm. And as we're walking, I see these, it's Trey Young and all, maybe Herder and those guys. Uh-huh. They're coming down and going into a little weight room we have that's not the team weight room, mm-hmm. but the other teams always use it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look and I, I, I might have said to one of them, you, what are you going to lift weights? And they said, yeah. And my daughter said to me, you must be a mean coach because we had just beat him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And they're mm-hmm. going after the game to lift weights. And he, I said, you going to lift weights? And he went, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she said, well, he must be a mean coach. I went, no, he's a great coach. He got these guys before <laughs> the game, after the game. I said, mm-hmm. like that. I got really impressed with that. Yes. That he had, that they did it and they looked like they knew they had to do it. And they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And no. then I watched these teams play and you could tell they're not ready like two years ago. They're not ready to win now, but you got to stick with those kind of, that's what I did with Reggie and them. I always mm-hmm. stuck with them because, and particularly now, because these kids are coming out of, you know, it's not even, it's a little over high school. That's right. Yeah. They're only like one, one and done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 19 and 20. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first came in the league, a, a, a regular first round pick didn't know if he could make the team. That's how good the pros are and how different they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you see a lot of these kids that are drafted in top 10, they don't even get a chance to play. And the reason is the guys ahead of them are much better than they are. Yep. Stronger, know how to play in the NBA, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, I know kids think they can play because they play in the schoolyard and there are guys who really can play. But you got to take it to another level when you come to the NBA. You got to learn how to play and learn how to know if they do that, I do this immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's no like split second timing loss. That's and right. that's the difference between really good teams and teams like the lose. Mm, that's right. That's right. And 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 wanted to ask you uh, one more question about the Pacers. Like Demontis Sabonis is like I mean, I, I've been watching him a couple of games this season and and I'm seeing his maturation is like getting better and better. I mean, his improvement, Absolutely. it's um I, I mean, how great can he be? I think he can be a really, you know, great. That's hard to say. Great. Mm. You, you start thinking about uh, Will Chamberlain. Or something. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Well, Hall yeah. of Famer. Hall, does he have yeah. a Hall of Famer trajectory? That's what I meant. He could, <laughs> he, could, he could do that. He could do that. Like he his dad. Like his dad. Yeah. yeah. His father was. Now, his father was different than him. That's right. He's much. Much. Yeah. Savo is a, is a guy that, like, he's hard to play against because he never stops. He's strong. And mm-hmm. he's got a body that was probably chiseled out of uh, marble or something. Yes. And I mean it in this way, that when you hit him, it hurts you. That's <laughs> you <know>? right. <laughs> He's hard everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's like Drago. He could call yeah. him Drago. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, he, you know, he's already proven he's an all-star. He made the all-star team last year. And he, mm-hmm. he's going to be a perennial all-star, I think. Because he gets points and, and rebounds. And now he can, he can really pass. That's mm-hmm. what he got from his father. Because mm-hmm. he can really pass the ball. Mm-hmm. And try so to post. Triple... Yeah, triple threat. You said triple threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And he also, I've noticed in the games now, he's looking for a three-point shot, which he never did before. 
and and he made a couple in one game he made one or two of them two of them i think mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if he and he'll get more confident in that if he starts making those you've got a problem oh my goodness that that <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure that's for sure wow and before i let you go mr walsh wow what an honor to have you on the 38th edition well i enjoyed it where so they're at enjoyable. yes i, indeed. I really um, enjoyed it thank you so much now, I, you gotta you gotta tell me something yes yes your name is Nabate. Uh, Nabate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I sir. like that name. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when you first said it, I thought you said Sabate. <laughs> oh, okay. So when I saw the end, I went like, is it, I don't think it's that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because I speak too fast at times. So, yeah, like, yeah, especially on the phone, you know, I'm like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> but well, I want to do one more segment before you go. And it's called Fast Break. And it's kind right. of like, you know, a la 1980s Doug Moe, Devin Nuggets running and gunning. Quick, you know, quick, quick questions and answers. Um, and, yeah. you know, just random questions for sure. So here sure. we go for sure. Um, Now, the song that best reflects you. There's a song that... um. And I'm, I gotta get this guy's name. He's a, an opera singer, and he sings with a woman. It's a beautiful song. Okay. Um, Is it um? Oh, Pacelli. Oh, Pacelli. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Pacelli. Andrea Pacelli. Sarah mm-hmm. Brightman, I think he sings it with. Oh. I love wow. that song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Time to say goodbye. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, and Andrea yeah. Pacelli, yes, indeed, Sarah Brightman, yeah, no, great vocalist for sure, and and wow, now and the a mo- great song. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna check that. I'm gonna check that out. You know, well, you know I, I, and I'm sure I've heard it. Well, well you'll hear it. You, I guarantee you, you'll like it. Wow, that's awesome. Well, no, definitely, I will for sure. And and now, most underrated player throughout your time in the pros, like the most underrated player that people don't talk about, Derek McKee. Yes. Derek McKee was a great defender, a great um, team member, meaning he could pass and, and made the right play all the time. Mm. And yet, if you wanted him to score, like when we traded for him, we traded that with Shrimp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when he came, he was a little hurt, Derek. And yeah. everybody was saying, oh, Derek, because, you know, Devlin was a good player, a real good player. Oh man! Oh, what a oh! Yeah. Very underrated too. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, so uh, now we get him, and mm-hmm. he he's not there um, for a couple of games. But the next game that the game he's coming back in, we're playing against Seattle, which mm-hmm. is where Der- uh, Detlef is. Mm-hmm. And I remembered um, Detlef telling me that he played one on one with Derek McKee up in uh, Seattle a lot. When because he was from there, mm-hmm. I said, Well, how'd you do? He said, He killed, killed me. <laughs> and I said, Really? <laughs> so he goes out to play in the game, Derek. He gets 37 points. We win the game. He gets 37. Now, Derek is the kind of guy that you think when he thinks, like I'm going to get 37 tonight, he can do it. And that's what he did that night. He mm-hmm. wanted to score, so he did. But normally, he would take the best, he would just make the right play all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you had a good team like we did with Mark Jackson, Reggie, the Davises, Rick, we had a lot of players then. Mm-hmm. But Derek was a key guy because he always made the right plays and he always hit the shot at the right time. You know, he hit a shot at the end of a game that you had to have before Reggie made his shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really liked him as a player. 
Wow, that's deep. Yeah, because I, I, you know, Seattle coming from C did great things with Seattle and bringing yeah. them back on the map. And then, yeah, wow, no, that's a great name, Derek McKee, absolutely. And and now, oh, most bizarre player, coach, or executive, the most bizarre person you well, had to deal with. I can't do this with a time watch. I'll tell you that bizarre <laughs> player. Well, I think Ronnie would. You know, Ronnie was so Ronnie did what I hear coaches say. I just want a guy that plays hard all the time. Mm. That was Ronnie. I mean, mm -hmm. he played so hard. You'd go to a practice, and you could tell when the other the team, you know, they, they had a game the night before. They were, Ronnie's playing hard. Mm -hmm. If you're out there and he's playing like that, you got to play like that, mm -hmm. or he'll run right over you. You know what I mean? Yep. So he picks up the whole team just by the way he plays. Yeah. That's so he'd right. be one guy like that. Wow, no, absolutely. And a Queens cat also. Yep, Queens, New York guy. And Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie's image out there is this guy, you know, that uh, fights and all that. If you ever meet him, mm -hmm. he's one of the sweetest guys I've ever been around in my life. Yes, indeed. And completely different than his image. You know, he's, hey, Donnie, how you doing? You know? yeah, right, that's right. Very, <laughs> very soft-spoken. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Those are the dangerous ones, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> but, right, right. <laughs> well, the toughest executive decision you had to make in your career. I think most people would say taking Reggie Miller over Steve Alfred, but I don't think so. I, I didn't think it was a decision. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of decisions are like that, where people, like well, Chuck Person, everyone booed me when I took him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then when he got rookie there, he kind of stopped booing me. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Because, you know, this is, um, Indiana is a, a really good college area. Mm -hmm. And so they judge everything by IU and that. Yep. They didn't even know who Chuck was. You know, they hadn't seen him play. Mm -hmm. The people mm -hmm. that were booing me on that. Wow. So I knew that. Wow. wow. But it's yeah. always great when you do something like that. And it was my first pick. You do something like that, and then it ends up the guy's a rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like, ah, <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's the great. It makes it makes that's it's 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 vindication, vindication. Yeah, you know, for sure. I wanted to keep the job, you know, and these guys were putting me in jeopardy with their booze. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the most memorable game you ever witnessed. Memorable game I ever witnessed. Well, a lot of it revolves around Reggie because he did such ridiculous things sometimes. Yes, you know, you yes. think the game's lost and in Madison Square Garden, I thought the game was over. And Reggie <laughs> hits That's right. A three, then he hits another three, then mm -hmm. he gets the ball and he foul you know, he gets the ball on foul line, he rebounds it, and mm -hmm. they foul him. He scores eight points in like six eight, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's and that was '95 Eastern Conference Semis at New York, Game yeah. One. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Wow. Now, the greatest in your—you've seen so much basketball. You know basketball. The greatest team in NBA history, single season. Well, it's got to be. It's hard because I don't see Golden State as much as I did this team. Um, mm -hmm. I would say the Boston team. Mm. With Larry Bird on it, and the Magic team with the the Lakers. Mm, okay, I mean those okay. were great, great teams. When you break down their teams and how good Magic was, how good Larry was, how good Mikhail was, how mm. good Parrish was, how good Jabbar was. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, so you like know, around then, 86, 87, around that time. Yeah. Yep, with both teams. I had, uh, after Byron got through uh, with uh, the Lakers, I signed him here, and he was great for us. Oh, great vet, yeah. Yeah, absolutely great for them. And then a great vet, veteran presence for the Pacers. He, he was great because Reggie knew him and really liked him. And he helped Reggie a lot because mm-hmm. he had the same thing. He was looking for coming off screens and things like that. Yep. Um, but the first year I had Byron and I signed him kind of when the season was just started. Mm-hmm. And we went to the um, we went to the Eastern Conference Finals and the first game we had to play was against Shaq and Penny. Ooh, right, right. And so it comes down to the last shot in the first game. And they're thinking Reggie's going to shoot it. So Reggie comes off the screen. He gets the ball. He sees he's guarded because they ran over at him. And he sees Byron all alone over the three-point line. And now you can say, oh, he was open. Mm-hmm. you got to make that shot. And he made it. Mm-hmm. Bam. So we won the first game. And then... I think we won, I think we beat them three zero. Wow, that's right, that's right. That was yeah. that. Yes, yes, and it was in ninety three, I believe. Right now, ninety three. I don't. I don't know dates. I lose yeah. dates. <laughs> well, I've had more dates than you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and well, and uh, the film you can watch over and over and over and over again. That film yeah. that stands the test of time for you. Right. It, it, with, if, which do film? you do that a lot? Do you watch film a lot? Oh, I do. Oh, I'm a big film film junkie. Yeah, because you you have a, a a great knowledge of uh, older games. You know, oh, like, thank you. I was thank sitting you. there and I don't remember as good as you do. <laughs> but thank age you. is. I, I defend myself by age. You, get a, <laughs> you know, as I'm gone, but it's it's on its way. <laughs> uh, no, no, you your memory's great. But um, what's your favorite movie? Your movie that you watch over and over. I'm gonna tell you a movie. I told this to a guy. And he asked me, I was on a show with a, you know, he was, it was a festival down there, a movie mm-hmm. festival. Mm-hmm. So they come in and they want to ask me, what's your favorite movie? Mm-hmm. And I knew this guy was never going to expect the answer I gave him Whoa. because I looked at him and I said, Billy Elliot. Aha, uh-huh. yes, yes. And yes. he looked at me and he went, Billy Elliot. I went, yeah. And he knew the movie. Mm-hmm. But he's mm-hmm. trying to figure out what is a guy that's a jock talking about a guy who wanted to dance and the ballerina, <laughs> you know, yeah. ballet. well, still athleticism, still that, yeah. you know, <laughs> and the underdog, the underdog, one of the, most, one of the most thrilling scenes I've seen in movies is you see that little kid dancing all over his little coal town mm-hmm. and, you know, you're feeling sorry because it's father's a coal miner, his brother's a coal miner, they're smacking him in the head, you, know? <laughs> you can't dance, come on. <laughs> And the end of it is that he goes to the Royal Academy in England or something, Mm -hmm. and then it cuts. Next scene, you're you're in front of an opera house, and his father and brother go in. And so they're sitting there, and then the music starts playing, and you see this guy take off a cape, backstage cape. Mm -hmm. And, And now you know it's him. And he's perfect, you know. <laughs> and he runs out and jumps, and that's how it ends. I mean, there's nothing more masculine than that scene. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. What oh, what a great film. Absolutely. I love that film. Yes, indeed. Wow. And and last last question on the fast break segment. The one person, dead or alive, that you never met, whom you will want to have lunch with. 
Oh, I've had a lot. I, I, I think of a lot of people I'd love that lunch with. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me think. The most. Well, John Kennedy would be one. Yes. Yes. Um, there's so many. I mean, there's so many people I would have loved to sit down and talk to. Mm-hmm. John Kennedy was, you know, because he died young and mm-hmm. I thought he was going to do great things and he did, but he got to cut short on him. Yeah. yeah. And he no. was Irish and all that. <laughs> wow. No, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and and coincidentally, that was the same year that you married uh, Judy, your wife, yeah. you know, 1963. Well, Judy and I, I met her when I was 14 and she was 12. Wow. <laughs> and we really, you know, we, I, now I went to North Carolina and I was away for four years. Mm-hmm. And then we got married in my, I think before my sophomore year of law school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've been together ever since then. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. It, 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 <laughs> wow. And she's as beautiful to me today as she was then. Wow. I, I got to tell you that. Wow. And we're both old. But <laughs> during this pandemic, Judy, had an operation about three years ago. Oh, no, it was when I was in New York, so it's longer than that. Mm -hmm. But when I came home, I noticed that she got a little matronly looking, not fat, but matronly looking. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, she's getting older. And so now we're here in the pandemic and we're home all day, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what she's doing, but one day in the summer, she walks by and she's got a pair of blue jeans and a T-shirt. And I looked at her and I said, Judy, you got the same body you had when I married you. How did you do that? <laughs> and she had been doing the treadmill and eating right and all that while we're going through the pandemic. And that's how she did it. That's she a- went, she, she went like lost 25 to 30 pounds. And looks fabulous. Wow. You see, it and it doesn't matter by age at all. You know what no, I mean? It's all about no. like mindset and discipline, you know, yeah. for sure. And 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 Mr. Walsh, I gotta say, that mindset, that discipline, uh, and also too the energy and the, the positive infectious energy that you've provided for the many years you've been in basketball um is has been incredible and 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 I'm so glad to have you on on where they are. Well, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you just you came today. up with the key word in the NBA. Anybody who brings energy. This coach, Nate, brings energy to the team. He he just has, yes. you know. Yes. And that is, and Ronnie had energy, Ronnie Artest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you know, it's infectious. If you go out there and play with somebody with energy or your coach has got energy, you just gotta get like that, you know. That's right. Pick the whole team up. That's right. That's what's all about. That it radiates, you know, radiates for sure. Particularly in the NBA where you've got 82 games normally. Mm -hmm. You know, Everybody comes in one day, like not feeling like they want to play, but you got this guy next to you who's all over the court, and yeah. <laughs> pretty soon you're doing the same thing, you know. <laughs> well, no, absolutely. Well, but Mr. Walsh, appreciate you, really do. Thank okay. you for for being on where they at, and look forward to being in touch, sir. Absolutely. I don't particularly like these kind of things, but I enjoyed this one. Oh, that's an honor. Thank you. Really <laughs> good. Thank you all for listening to the 38th edition of Where They At. And that was the great 
Donnie Walsh, uh, one of the great executives in the history of the NBA. He pretty much turned around the Indiana Pacers, uh, a team that had no direction. And he, in the 22 seasons that he was either a general manager or president of basketball operations, they were made the playoffs 19 times, which is amazing. They made six Eastern Conference Finals and one NBA Finals appearance and also four Central Division titles. Um, and he's he's one of the brilliant minds in the game and he and everyone uh, respects him and everyone loves him. And, and, and he's such a great individual, such an honor to have him on where they at. So if you want to listen to more episodes of where they at with wonderful luminaries, make sure to subscribe and or rate on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. And you can also check the show out on Catropolis Radio Network, which is Catropolis, C-A-S-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S dot net. So my podcast streams on Catropolis and also airs. They air an episode every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time as well. And if you like the music, make sure to check out my website, N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S dot com. That's Nabateos.com to check out tracks from Eclectic Excursions. And also I have a Bandcamp page where you can go on and just look up Nabate Isles, N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S, where I have my album Eclectic Excursions, as well as a tribute track to the late, great Chadwick Boseman that I did with Niles and Beth Griffith Manley, two wonderful artists. So make sure to check that out and, and support that track as a portion of the proceeds go out to the Chadwick Boseman charitable fun for the arts so thank you all for listening to where they at the 38th edition and looking forward to supply more episodes to you in 2021 and beyond take care everybody be blessed stay woke and treat each other with kindness and respect um we're going through a lot of division especially in this country, please be able to really uh, see each other as human beings and, and, and have like a respect for each other, I think. And that's key, especially in this day and time. We need to counter the, the tension with love, kindness, and graciousness. Take care, everybody. Be blessed.